0: Happy holidays, everyone! If you're listening to this episode in real time, you might have reindeer on your mind, and that's what we're talking about today. Welcome to the Alaska Uncovered podcast with me, your host, Jenny Twing Flaming. I bring you accurate, helpful, and entertaining information about Alaska travel and life in Alaska. My guests today are Jane Atkinson of Running Reindeer Ranch in Fairbanks, and Ryan Olson and Kaylin Hall of Chena Outdoor Collective in Two Rivers near Fairbanks. Each of these folks are experts in reindeer and provide a wonderful experience with reindeer year-round for visitors in the Fairbanks area. Today, we're talking all about these amazing animals and how you can learn more about them. And by the way, way back in episode 21, you met Rhine when we talked about dog mushing and the Iditarod, and she is back today to talk about reindeer with everyone else. So Jane, Rhine, and Kaylin, welcome to Alaska Uncovered. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having us.
1: Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's nice to, nice to meet you. Thanks for having us.
0: Yeah, it's great having all of you here. So much reindeer expertise. It's awesome. So to get started, I would love to have each of you share how you got to Alaska. So uh, Jane, would you go first?
2: Yeah, well, I was born in Alaska. I was born and raised down in Anchorage, so... I arrived over 60 years ago and awesome. um, moved up to Fairbanks in the um, early 80s, very early 80s to attend the University of Alaska there. So I've been um, in most well in Alaska my whole life and uh, between Anchorage and Fairbanks the whole time. So,
0: yeah. Excellent. Kaylin, mm-hmm. how about you?
1: I started coming up to Alaska a little over uh, 10 years ago, just in the summers to work as a guide on the coast. Um, And then I would head back to Minnesota in the winter time to run sled dogs in Northern Minnesota. And I think it was six years ago now. um, I wanted to come up to Alaska and do one last winter of uh, handling for dog sledding and uh, worked for Ryan and she somehow convinced me to work for her for three more winters and in that (laughs) whole process um kind of fell in love with the reindeer as well and ended up staying here
0: ryan how about you i know folks who've been listening to the pod for a (laughs) while i've heard a little bit of your story before Mm -hmm. but i'd love to have you uh do a recap for everybody sure so i um i was kind of in
3: some regards similar to kaylin's uh I came up here for dog sledding and uh, this Alaska is the place to be if you want to live and breed sled dogs. So I moved up here and it was supposed to just kind of be a temporary thing. And I think like many transplants, uh, you you have this short amount of time you plan on being Alaska, but there's something about it that just kind of um, you fall in love with and then you never want to leave. And so that's that's where I am now. So I moved up here about 15 years ago. And uh, have been moved to two rivers and have stayed here uh, for the
0: last 15 years. Yes, that is totally true. I definitely. I also got to Alaska via a temporary arrangement. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's a that's a common story. OK, so, Kinglin, could you tell us a little bit about what the difference is between
1: caribou and reindeer? Sure. So caribou and reindeer, in terms of like a, a scientist scientific naming are under the same species um here in north america reindeer were brought here um almost 200 years ago um as a domesticated species and caribou here in north america remain wild they've never been domesticated um but if you were to head over to uh you know russia or scandinavia anywhere over there whether they're wild or domesticated those um they're all called you know, reindeer or respectively, whatever they are, the name in that language. Um, But if you look at kind of their DNA, they've been separated for, you know, 10,000 years (laughs) since the last major ice age. So um, scientists have found some minor differences uh, in DNA at this point, just because of that separation. Um, But for all intents and purposes, they are the same species, just domesticated or not.
0: Jane? How did reindeer become part of Alaska's culture and environment?
2: There was a concern by Sheldon Jackson who felt like um, our indigenous people needed a more secure food source. The um, Russians had really wiped out many of the marine mammals in western Alaska that fur traders did and so and the caribou herd in western Alaska had shifted out of that. Area. And so they felt like bringing over um, reindeer from the Russian Far East would be uh, a way to supply a more secure food source. Um, Captain Healy, who ran the revenue cutter, had serviced both uh, the Russian Far East and um, Alaska. And so he was familiar with the folks over there, the reindeer herding. Uh, folks over there. There's several reindeer herding cultures and he would bring supplies to them. If you remember, Alaska was purchased from Russia in 1867. And so in the late 1800s is when um, they decided to start this project and bring reindeer over to Alaska.
0: That's really fascinating. Kaylin, and or Jane, now that we know a little bit about what caribou and reindeer are, how they're different, how reindeer got to Alaska, could you tell us a little bit about how reindeer are adapted to Alaska's subarctic and arctic environment?
2: Um, Well, okay, I can start that by just saying that Every system in their body has an adaptation for living in the Arctic. And um, so their circulatory system, the respiratory system, their integument system, their, you know, it, it all every system has some adaptation. So um, they're just, you know, this is they're what we call Arctic thrivers. Um, not just Arctic survivors, but this is where they thrive. This is what they're, where they're meant
0: to live. That is super fascinating. It makes me think one of my favorite places in Fairbanks is the muskox farm. And, you know, muskox are like amazing also with these incredible Arctic Adaptations—it's so it's so fascinating. Kaylin, is there anything you want to add about that?
1: I mean, Jane summed it up pretty well. Short of kind of getting into each individual adaptation yeah. for these animals, yeah. um, but I think one of the funniest things—and um, Jane or Ryan, you can pipe in here as well—is is how they actually shed their fur. Um, one of their adaptations, uh, if people are familiar with uh, their own dogs or cats or or whatever animals they have shedding, they shed, you know, uh, some of their fur at a time, but the reindeer in the spring and caribou will shed Literally everything <laughs> um, down to they'll have bald patches, they'll have new fur patches, they'll have shedding fur patches um, because their fur is 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 hollow to make sure that they've got that airspace um, for insulation, but also that hollowness makes their fur very brittle and so in order to ensure that they're going to have that perfect coat next season they shed the entire thing and grow an entirely new coat which there aren't um at least to my knowledge that many animals that will go to that extent to have a perfect coat for the next uh next winter that is totally wild that is so cool love it
2: okay i think um- they- it, the other thing about their coat is, if we're talking about that, is that it actually consists of two different kinds of hair. So there's this base layer under fur that is um, very thick and very fine and creates a very waterproof coat. They've got all this um, lanolin in there. So it's a really lanolin rich coat, that creates a nice and waterproof coat. And then they push out and September, the, that hollow guard hair stuff. And so they look very different from winter to summer. Coats are, are just entirely different. And um, when you pet them in the summer, you can just feel the oil. Your hands are just filled with lanolin.
0: Uh, so I would love to know how each of you got into reindeer.
2: Okay, so uh, I uh, never had any intention of ever getting into reindeer or anything else, but my daughter um, really um, wanted a horse, like all 10 year old girls, you know, she decided that she wanted a horse. The woman, we moved up to um, back up to Fairbanks when um, she was eight, she wanted Um, The woman that we bought the house from had a horse there, and she thought our house came with a horse. And so she was very disappointed that there was no horse available for her, and she really wanted a horse. But (laughs) I am deathly allergic to horses, and so I told her, no, we couldn't have a horse. And um, she wanted goats, and she suggested we get goats. And, well, I'm a gardener. And that's where my loyalties lie. So I don't believe in living with goats. And then she suggested sheep and they just die. And so I told her she had to get something more conducive to living here in the Arctic. And um I was sure there was nothing, but one day we were driving through the university, and back then they had the reindeer research program going, and that's on our way into town. And I looked out at those reindeer and um, I thought, unfortunately, out loud, hmm, I wonder about reindeer. And she was sitting in the back seat and she was very excited and said, yes, of course, reindeer, reindeer. So she proceeded to spend the next two years researching and fundraising to get reindeer. And they came into my life. Serendipitously, through her, and of course, she grew up, and I inherited her reindeer.
0: Yes, mm-hmm. yes, of course.
1: I <laughs> <laughs> love it. Thank you,
0: mm-hmm. Kaylin.
1: How about you? How did you get into reindeer? Oh, my. So my story is very intertwined in Ryan's um, reindeer intro story. <laughs> um, <laughs> so my first year, I think it was my first year up here, handling for Ryan. She acquired a few reindeer. I had never seen a reindeer in my life. I'd never seen a caribou um but i I have been working um with you know various animals for ten plus years at that point and um training as a behavior consultant just across various species. so I'm very interested in the behavior and the inner workings of of just animals in general um and so i got i got curious about them um and the the following year ryan got two calves um and i we began to work together training them uh and i just yeah i fell in love with them thought um you know they're really incredible to have around also really easy to have in the winter time up here as jane was saying um and just my curiosity has continued to grow for them. Uh, therefore their space in my life has continued to grow as well. <laughs> Before
3: we, we go away from how, how we kind of all got into it. I think it is also really fun to mention that. So my, the first reindeer that we, um, that we purchased were from a neighbor. Cause there's a, there's a neighbor who had, a large reindeer farm and kind of similar to jane saying how she drove by the research uh (laughs) facility there at uaf i would drive down the road and here are these reindeer and i was like man what what incredible animals just right there who knew that they were you know you could essentially have them as livestock um and so but when we started out our initial um group of animals were very much livestock in the sense that they had not been handled uh, they were they were more of the feral variety. Um, and so it was a pretty big learning curve for us to figure out uh, how, how to handle them, how to interact with them. And so uh, um, coincidentally, a reindeer who has helped us immensely, we, Kaylin mentioned the two calves and we worked with those two calves. Um, and then when Kaylin bought into the herd, they did so by actually reaching out to Jane and our lead cow currently is a, um, a reindeer that we purchased from Jane. Aww. and since all of Jane's uh, reindeer have been raised around people from day one, it really makes a huge difference. Um, you know, dogs have been domesticated much longer than reindeer, so it's it, it just it's such a huge difference when you've handled them. They've been around people. Uh, there you know if if it's been like that from day one versus an animal even if you get one from you know four months or five months of age uh there's there's really no comparison so i feel like our herd took a really big positive turn towards being interactive and being able to uh you know train them and and have really incredible experiences with them when we added a reindeer from jane's herd to our herd so a, a little a little um tidbit there as far as how we got into it and then how at least for us we we had a we kind of turned a corner it was a lot due to a reindeer named uh sapphire who we um acquired from jane
0: oh i love that mm-hmm. that is so cool so you so caitlin and ryan you started with feral reindeer and then <laughs> and then yes got more uh more I mean, I know all rain, they're all domesticated, but like more domesticated sounds like. Yes.
3: Yeah. Our, our initial stock were were more of just like really pretty lawn ornaments, um, (laughs) that were not interested in interacting with us. Um, they were, they were kind of like, just give us our food and leave us alone. Uh, and so it's, we, it, yeah, it was, it was, we definitely turned a corner when we have, um, now have a herd who we've been with or humans at least uh have been with since day one and you know now we walk into the pen and they come over and you know they're I wouldn't say they're like excited like a dog would be to see you but they certainly are curious and they're coming over and they're you know bumping us with their noses and um they're they're much more comfortable being around us and uh it's yeah it's it's much more fun that way
0: (laughs) yeah it sounds like that is so cool okay so that is a good segue into before we take a break I would love to know a little more about reindeer's personalities so it sounds like it makes a big difference kind of how they've been raised and if they're used to people but um Kaylin or Jane do you want to add anything just about their personalities or what they're like
1: Sure. And I think any one of us can uh, attest to this, but it kind of across the board, whether they, whether they are uh, feral, just meaning that they haven't been socialized to humans um, or they have been heavily socialized. Like absolutely. They have huge personalities and I'm quite fond of calling them uh, drama Queens. They have uh, some, yeah, pretty, (laughs) pretty big attitudes some days. Uh, And then we have some that are absolutely chill and, you know, I just, I just really laid back and, um, uh, Sapphire from Jane who, yeah, thank you, Jane, for, uh, solidifying us in our curiosity of reindeer for, uh, forever. So she can, Jane's had a really big hand in <laughs> getting us interested in this and, um, Sapphire, uh, has a huge personality. She's, she's, uh, our lead cow. And so she, she's kind of the, the queen bee, um, of our group. But, um, but yeah, their personalities are all across the board, just like humans, just like dogs. Um, it's really an individual, um, an individual uh, thing.
2: I, I can also say that, I mean, definitely they all have um, individual personalities. And um, ultimately though, what I would say is that it is a dream of every reindeer to be a boss reindeer and it takes two things to be a boss reindeer one is having a hard there's having attitude and um sapphire desperately wanted to be a boss reindeer and um but she couldn't be and so there was all kinds of drama going on in the herd with her and um we nicknamed her sapphire or spitfire <laughs> and what she really needed was a place to be where she could be the boss reindeer. So it was a good fit for for them um, out there at the China Outdoor Collective that needed um, a, a reindeer that was well social and Hannibal, um, but also for Sapphire who who needed a space to be able to be able to boss everyone else around. And so she was uh, great that way, but they, they definitely have individual personalities for sure.
0: That's so um, fun. Okay. We are going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to find out a little more about how visitors can interact with all of these reindeer that we've been talking about. So we'll be right back. hi everyone jenny here i just wanted to pop in and let you know about my new alaska adventure planner and workbook so if you are looking to plan your trip on your own to alaska don't do it all alone let me help i have a great resource for you you can use it online as a google sheet or you can uh, download and print it you can share it with your travel companions. You can, it'll help you make all the decisions you need to make, book things in the correct order, make decisions and keep everything in one place. It's a fantastic resource and the link to grab it is in the show notes. And we are back with Jane, Kaylin, and Ryan. And Jane is from Running Reindeer Ranch in Fairbanks and Kaylin and Ryan are from Sheena Outdoor Collective in Two Rivers, which is very close to Fairbanks. And they all have reindeer that you can interact with if you are visiting Fairbanks, which is a super cool and unique thing to do. So Jane, let's start with you. Can you, can you tell me a little bit about what visitors can do if they come to visit Running Reindeer Ranch?
2: Yeah, so we do a, a few different things um out at our place uh depending upon the season. But kind of uh um we started uh taking um w- when my daughter um spent her, her junior year of high school in Germany, I needed to take her reindeer out for walks and I'd ask my friends to come and join me out um taking them out for walks. And um, so they would come and then they started calling and letting, you know, asking if we were going out for walks because they had visiting friends and relatives in town. And so we would go out and, you know, I'd take them out for walks. And it was those friends and their visiting friends and relatives who suggested, maybe I should let other visitors do that uh, with me. And so um, today what we do is we, Um, take folks out um, for little walks um, around our property with um, our herd of reindeer. So we'll have one or two on a lead rope and the rest of them are just running around willy-nilly doing their reindeer thing. So it's a little different experience every time you come. Uh, Sometimes they're just following us and other times they're, well, taking off and going and doing other things. But um, we stop along the way and share information about them and their adaptations for living in the Arctic. Uh, we do a little photo stop, a photo shoot stop too and um this is a it's a lovely uh, time for people to really learn about reindeer in the um boreal forest We live um north Fairbanks and uh in a beautiful birch forest. So we feel very fortunate to do that. So that's kind of the, the biggest thing that we do with folks. Um, they learn um about our history as a, a farm and, and then the history of reindeer uh coming to Alaska and um uh and their adaptations for living in the Arctic. And then uh in the summer, we've also started a couple other activities. We um started a few, about four years ago, um a few times a week, three times a week, doing a, a yoga with reindeer uh series. and um so we have yoga um certified yoga instructors, and uh the reindeer were all together in a pen and uh, outside on the grass and uh, the reindeer just again doing their kind of reindeer things and we're doing yoga and it really the sounds and smells of nature and the reindeer and um, you know hearing them and being with them just really enhances the yoga experience so we try not to make that a gimmicky thing uh but just another way to um really experience yoga and the benefits that that can have and include reindeer with it. And then, um, a couple of years ago, we also started a music with reindeer series. So we do home concerts, uh, with reindeer. Um, again, in the pen that we do our yoga with, we have live music, um, for an hour and, uh, People can come and bring their chairs and bring snacks and beverages and hang out and listen to incredible local musicians and, um, and uh, interact with the reindeer during that time, too. So that's um, kind of what we're doing out there at our place.
0: That's pretty fun. And yeah, that's pretty fun and a very unique kind of Fairbanks experience, all of those things that you mentioned. Oh, I did mention that the the yoga and the
2: um, music is during what we call our season of peace and love. If you remember earlier, I had mentioned something um, that it takes two things to be a boss reindeer. One is hard pokey antlers and the other is attitude. And when those antlers fall off in the spring, their attitude plummets too. And Mm -hmm. so... Nobody is the boss during the summer months. So we um, offer that just in the summer months. And by mid-August, when their antlers start hardening up, their attitudes start changing. And um, so we have to stop our um, music and our yoga series then.
0: Yes, that makes sense because it would be a little less calming and peaceful if there were right, right. then all the drama starts again
2: yeah. So, <laughs> yeah
0: we're trying to avoid the drama so yes that sounds important uh-huh. all right um so ryan and kaylin how about you what can people do at a Chena outdoor collective with reindeer
3: so we um our our main tour option that a lot of people select with the reindeer is a, a 45 minute long interactive reindeer work, uh, reindeer tour where the first 10 to 15 minutes is um educational and we're inside we've got this big yurt um and we have kind of a, a little classroom in the back that's set up and it has a lot of, of you know hands-on things for for people to help get a better idea about reindeer and caribou, um, how reindeer came to Alaska the history, um, just things like that. And then we, we head out to the reindeer pen, um, and we put the reindeer on some lead ropes and we take them for a walk through the woods. Um, and, and so it's, our tour is a little bit different from Jane's because we actually, we get calls a fair bit of about with folks saying, you know, Hey, we've, we've seen these reindeer tours, um, and which, you know, like, how are they different? How are they similar? And I think that's one thing that's really cool about our tours is that I I honestly tell people like if you love reindeer, you should do both because they're they're both very unique. You know, Jane's um all of her reindeer are loose and people can see them running around um in, in the like aspen birch forest behind her house. Uh and it's a it's a larger group setting. Um, our tours, they're they're smaller, they're a little bit uh shorter, but it's much more personable because it's just a private group. So if there's two people who are traveling together, we give a private tour to those two people. Um and Jane will have oftentimes a, a much larger herd versus we we have typically three reindeer that go on each tour. Um, and so those people get to know those three reindeer really well. Uh so they're just kind of different styles of tours. Um and so when, yeah when people call if they if they want to see and uh interact with arctic animals i'm always like do do them all <laughs> there yeah. each one you're going to get some different experience um and then we're the last couple summers we've kind of been slowly um trying out hiking and backpacking with reindeer and so uh the last two summers we have offered the hikes where um we've trained our reindeer to carry backpacks and we go into the Chena State Recreation Area. Um, and the last couple summers, it's just been day trips where they, uh, they carry some, some snacks like cheese and crackers and, uh, you know, local smoked salmon, things like that. Uh, and we go and have a little picnic and hang out with the reindeer and hike back out. Uh, but recently, we have been testing out backpacking, like multi-day backpacking trips with the reindeer and um, training them to do that. And they've been doing exceptionally well so we're really excited next summer we're going to start uh, we're start doing a couple trips um two night three day backpacking trips with the with the reindeer where they can carry some of the gear and uh and help us walk through the the Chena state rec, state rec area um and then of course browse on all of their natural forage and uh, just kind of make that whole hiking in Alaska experience even more magical. So that's that'll be
0: something new that we're doing this year that we're super excited about. That is so fun.
3: Reindeer packing. Ah, love
0: it. <laughs> cool. Okay. One thing that I was thinking about while you were talking, Jane, about the seasonality of it. do Do any of you have a time of year when you do not offer reindeer experiences at all? I know that you offer summer and winter, but are there like transition periods where that's not available at all? Or is it available all year round?
2: Sure. So we are open year round. Um, The only issue that we have is during calving season and that we just need to make sure that our reindeer are secure and that that calving experience is a stressless experience so um our reindeer you know as we talked about before we have 12 reindeer and they have all been handled they've all been born at our place and they've all been handled since the first moments of life um and so we have a really close experience with the reindeer but um, calving can be a very stressful time for everybody. And so, if we may have to cancel a tour, a few years ago, we had um, a school group out um, doing a, an experience, and I looked over and saw hooves coming out of um, one of my pregnant females. Oh, wow.
0: Yeah, and it was was uh live reindeer birth right here on the field trip. Yeah,
2: well, and you know, it was a homeschool group, so of course they all want to stay. I tried to get them out before anybody noticed, and then (laughs) some kids said, Look at that, and they all look and notice this whole experience. And so, yeah, they all wanted to stay. And and I did, you know, I said, Well, you can stay. Um, you have to be over there. You have to be very quiet, silent during this time. And um, and at any point, if I ask you to leave, you need to leave immediately. And indeed, there was meconium in the sack with that calf. And I did ask them all. So they they got to the point um, of the birth, and then I immediately had them leave because I needed to figure out what to do. That meconium yeah. can be a, a sign of stress and um, and then I needed to jump in there and make sure that everything was okay, and and they did, they left, but um, and that calf was all uh, great, and everything worked out, but it, it was quite quite an experience. So for me, that's the only time, and when people make um, reservations during that time, I I do give them that caveat that if something
0: comes up, um, we may need to cancel at the last minute.
2: But other than that, we
0: are open year round. And what time of when do the reindeer have their calves?
2: Yeah, so they calve in the spring, and all of our reindeer have been born between April 18th and May 5th. Okay. Um and um, this year um, with breeding, we are it, it could be earlier than that, but Got it. um. Yeah.
0: Okay. Um, Kaylin, what about uh Chena Outdoor Collective? Are there any times of year that you don't do a reindeer tours?
1: Yeah, so um the winter spring tourism season kind of starts slowing down uh beginning of April. Um mm-hmm. a lot of the tourism in Fairbanks, especially the really heavy tourism season uh is around sled dog season so (laughs) when the snow starts disappearing um kind of the the heavy tourism kind of does too um and snow kind of starts disappearing first week or two of april um and since we transport our reindeer um every day up to the location where we do our tours we do stop about mid-april and the reindeer have uh from mid-april to the beginning of June off. And one, that is also a time for Ryan and I to be able to go back and see our respective families, travel if we need to, um, uh, and kind of take care of stuff around the home. Uh, but also at least Ryan's property historically. Uh, has been incredibly difficult to get to during mud season. Mm, um, yeah. So getting the trailer in and out of there during mud season, which is May, uh, we're like, you know what, we don't need to do tours this time yeah. of year. So. <laughs> That's smart. Um, yeah. <laughs> so it I'll, just kind of I'll with-
3: elaborate, <laughs> I'll elaborate further, and say that this this uh, last summer was actually this last breakup season was the first time I could say. I can drive back to my house year round. It was a, it was a monument <laughs> of time. I don't know. Uh, there's there still big a deal. lot of people. Yeah. There's still a lot of people in Alaska who, um, you know, might have, uh, They you know live off grid maybe don't have running water uh perhaps have driveways that are only seasonal and yes we were one of those seasonal driveway (laughs) homes um and until last last spring was the first time that uh and i and i won't say that you could get back with any vehicle we've got a little bit patchwork to do uh but yes it's um It is. It's it's a big deal to now have gravel. I say gravel is gold. We're getting way off topic here, but uh, this is, yeah, you know, (laughs) I think that
0: part of our lives. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's funny because um, we've had lots of episodes about Fairbanks in some way. And one thing that I feel like always comes up is in some way is the very rapid changing of seasons that happens between winter and summer and summer and winter. And I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but when I lived in Fairbanks and I'm from Seattle, when I lived there, I couldn't wrap my head around how fast the seasons, you know, how you would have winter and then summer. And that would just be a few weeks and same thing in the fall. And in Seattle, you know, spring is like half the year um so being somewhere where it changes so dramatically and so quickly is I think a very unique thing about Fairbanks especially more even than other parts of Alaska
3: and and I would almost say like anytime I have friends or family visiting and they they're like oh you know May is right is summer like if I want to do summer activities I should come to Fairbanks and and Jane Jane perhaps might have a different insight but I normally tell my friends and family if you want to come to Alaska in May, I would not really recommend Fairbanks until later May. <laughs> yeah, um, that like down in South Central or Southeast, uh, that there's you know some activities that are ramping up there. But at least in the Fairbanks area, you're going to be battling breakup, and yeah. it's um it if you love to go mudding, then perhaps come visit in May. Uh, yes. but it's not when Fairbanks shines. Um, it's
0: not its prettiest moment uh in May. <laughs> and you need you need boots. Yes, <laughs> like no, <definitely. laughs> not it's not the time to wear your new pristine white uh shoes. Okay, so um we've been talking a lot about reindeer, which has been awesome. And reindeer are not the only cool thing um about visiting Fairbanks we've also talked a bit about dog mushing and um Ryan was on the podcast before and we talked about that um but of course one of the things a lot of people coming to Fairbanks want to see is the Aurora so I would love to know your thoughts about that and why Fairbanks is so awesome for seeing the Aurora. Jane do you want to talk about that?
2: Sure. Yeah. Well, so our position of being under the Aurora Oval uh, makes Fairbanks a particularly great place to come and see the Aurora. Um, We also uh, typically have clearer skies than uh, most other places under that Aurora Oval uh, that are accessible to people. So Fairbanks is a really accessible place to come. Um, you know, international flights from all over the place. And it's great. But I think the thing that people need to think about when they're going somewhere to see the Aurora is all the other things to do when you're not watching the Aurora, because you may spend a couple hours looking for the Aurora in the middle of the night, but um, or if it's cloudy, you're not even going to spend any time watching the Aurora. So um Fairbanks is really in a unique position to offer incredible uh winter activities um, offered by all local small businesses you're not um it's not like a cruise ship kind of experience where you're getting shoved into this or that activity all all the operators in Fairbanks, whether you go um Uh, to visit reindeer or you go ice fishing or you go snow machining or you go dog mushing or you go um, cross-country skiing or you go uh, snowshoeing or sledding or ice skating or any of the other so many things to do fat tire biking. I, I mean, there's so many things to do in Fairbanks and it just makes it a really great vacation destination spot. So I feel fortunate to live there for that reason too.
0: Yeah, that's, that is totally true. Um, I totally agree with that. Kaylin. I know you've been an Aurora tour guide. Uh, do you want to add anything else about that?
1: Um, <laughs> I, I guess, uh, yeah, I think Jane kind of covered, you know, that the the thing about the aurora is that you can't, you can kind of forecast it, but just like the weather, it can change really, really quickly. Um, So just having a plan of something to do, um, regardless of if you're seeing or or not, because you're still going to have your daytime. uh, And when you're up here, you might as well just get the full experience of what Alaska is in the wintertime. Um, obviously, you're not going to see the aurora in the summer, <laughs> um, but yeah, kind of seeing seeing those night skies and then getting out and experiencing dog sledding, reindeer, and the great Thai and Indian food in <laughs> Fairbanks.
0: <laughs> yeah, totally agree with that. I, it, Fairbanks really is a magical place in the winter. It's also really cool in the summer, but I, I have to say that I have kind of a soft spot for it in the fall and winter like that now that i don't live there the months that i really miss it are march and september um i mean it's gorgeous
1: it is very gorgeous in the summer um and it would be we just we don't have nearly as much tourism in the summertime um but there are some amazing hiking trails um really just beautiful um i mean we can get up uh Fairbanks is kind of the hub where you can get up into the Brooks Range or even just the Whites which are the mountain range uh very close to here. There's a lot of really incredible um just landscapes that you can see just an hour or two from Fairbanks. So in the summertime, I mean, get up here you're you're going to see the sun all the time, which means you're going to have energy to do all of the things in the summer.
0: <laughs> yeah, the midnight hiking and <laughs> whatever. <laughs> like I don't know what time it is, but I'm ready to do a thing.
2: Yeah. I think also in the Fairbanks area, tourism in the summertime is you have far fewer crowds than you do. The Kenai is packed and, yeah. um, you know, it's just a totally different experience. It is the Fairbanks laid back experience. People yep. just having a good time and having fun and not, you know, just don't have to deal with the crowds and there's lots of activities going on. Yeah, uh under Mid- the midnight sun in the summer, too. Yeah.
1: For sure. And there's lots of music that happens and then also I've talked to a a handful of people uh who like they're t- they're down hiking in like the Pacific Northwest and things and you know they're like you have to get there super early cuz the cars and what not. Like listen, around here if there's four cars at a at a trailhead, I'm like that's way too busy. I got to go to the next one and <laughs> so the trails are basically empty up here compared to uh anywhere else, which is awesome.
0: Yeah. And even compared to the Anchorage area, I've noticed that trails around Fairbanks are much less busy than ones around Anchorage.
1: Oh yeah. 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 It's it's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I wanna, it. I, we should like don't don't give all the secrets away because I'd like yeah. to keep those. Tra- yes. Secrets. We'll just leave we'll just leave it <laughs> vague. <laughs> All right.
0: Um I want to just add one other thing which is that um this is interacting with reindeer is something that is really unique about the Fairbanks area and so if you are the kind of traveler that likes to see something a little bit different or have a super local experience um this is a really great way to do that. So I'm just going to add that as a person who helps a lot of people plan their trips um, and a person who loves Fairbanks. This is a really cool uh, thing to add to your to your lineup if you can. And I will put in the show notes um, links for both Chena Outdoor Collective and Running Reindeer Ranch so that you can find them if you're planning a trip to Fairbanks. Okay, so. I have some wrap up questions for you that aren't related to reindeer directly but they're kind of fun questions that um, I ask all of my guests and Ryan answered these before but you can still answer this time. So, um I think that would still be fun. And if you want to see if uh Ryan has changed her opinion in the last I don't eight months or so <laughs> you could go back and listen to that one too. Okay. So the first one is what is your favorite restaurant in Fairbanks or in the Fairbanks area? Jane, do you want to go first?
2: That's a little hard one for me because I'm a vegetarian and uh-huh. Fairbanks really doesn't have super great options in that area. Yeah. And I, also love to go out to eat so um a little frustrated but um i would say that my favorite restaurant in fairbanks is probably the thai house and
1: mm,
2: um, yeah. fairbanks has lots and lots and lots of thai restaurants i mean there's like 25 thai restaurants in fairbanks yeah. which is a little crazy but um the uh the Thai house was the original Thai restaurant in Fairbanks. It used to be a Vietnamese restaurant right off College Road. Um, but the Thai house uh, downtown, um, it was in a teeny tiny little space downtown. And um, that's just always been my favorite place. And as a matter of fact, when after having my daughter, um, we stopped at the Thai house on um, our way home Aww. 30 years ago to uh, see so I could get some Thai food uh, before heading home with our newborn daughter and uh, so yeah so they've also seen her
0: grow up there too. Oh that's fun. I'm glad that you mentioned that Jane because for people who are vegetarians it is sometimes not just in Fairbanks other parts of Alaska too sometimes a little hard to figure out what the options are so that is fantastic thank you um uh, kaylin how about you what's your favorite eating spot
1: um i would it, it actually it's a really hard question um yes i would say uh Hariom is uh, an indian restaurant it's, it's really really good um jane if you haven't eaten there and you do like indian food it's it's phenomenal it's 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 just delicious. I can't. It's one of my favorites.
2: Of, of course I've eaten there. <laughs> I, I do like it, but I just find that the atmosphere at the Thai house is a more relaxed, easier. Yeah. So oh, that's no, that's it fair. is it is excellent uh, food as well. Yep. And um the other thing about that restaurant is that it meets um my uh other daughter who is vegan and my uh, daughter- in- law who is um, gluten free, so we all are able to find something just fine to
1: eat there. so oh, that's cool, oh, yeah, I was gonna say I'm gluten free as well, so it can kind of be tough to eat um places sometimes. but the other other place I was gonna mention is uh, the little owl cafe where all their food is gluten free and all their baked goods. Uh, mm. so they've they've got my heart uh, yeah, and speed there. <laughs> I
0: haven't been there. I'll have to go next time I'm in Fairbanks. That's awesome. Um, I'm curious. I'm gonna have to listen uh, back in the other podcast
3: and see what I said before. Um, I I think my favorite food is any food that I don't have to prepare. I literally <laughs> anything that is set in front of me, I absolutely love it. Um, but I, lemongrass is definitely a favorite. I don't I don't know if
1: i think that's with- what
0: you said last time
1: Ron. yes okay perfect good <laughs>
3: yeah <laughs> um but yeah i there it, it is pretty amazing how many thai restaurants uh there are and it is kind of humorous that we have all said our favorites and none of them are like you know some iconic restaurant that has salmon or something people would think of in alaska uh but yes probably lemongrass and then I I will use this opportunity as a little shout out to a cafe that's located directly next to um, the Cheetah Outdoor Collective Yurt, which is called the Missing Moose Cafe. And they oftentimes have specials. Uh, one of their um, employees there, Virginia, she made some fresh donuts uh, last week and that's become more of a regular thing. And that was amazing. Oh. So if you want a little snack, uh, panini, homemade pastry and and you're out in two rivers then uh the missing moose cafe is definitely a fun place to stop in and they've got lots of little uh gifts and children's books and um kind of fun things to peruse while you're waiting for your your specialty coffee drink uh yeah
1: i am surprised sorry i was gonna say right i'm surprised you didn't say uh el ranchero oh my gosh you're right i can't believe i did it's because they're
3: it's because they're closed right now i was yeah i and i just discovered them that's why yeah like three months ago a friend told me about el ranchero it's a food truck they only have one thing that's offered every day uh but it's delicious and um it is i think well i guess it was gluten-free but it's not vegetarian um and it was and they're closed in the winter time but that you're right el ranchero bumped its way to the top of my list very quickly and they also have very bizarre hours or, or i guess it's just lunch hours like 11 to 2 and if you don't get there in time they'll and they sell out then they just close and mm-hmm. i found myself um planning my entire town trips around el ranchero and making Where sure i could it? be in town That <laughs> it's it's over on um what van horn uh it's okay on the industrial side of town yeah 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 um But yes, that was uh, that was a, a fun new find this summer was El Ranchero.
0: Yes. Love it. Cool. Those are all. Yeah, I've got some things to add to my lineup for for next time I'm in Fairbanks. And, you know, it's funny because I think every time. Maybe not. Yeah, I think every time we have had someone from Fairbanks on the podcast, they have at least mentioned Thai food. As being amazing, which, um, so it's kind of interesting that two of you had uh, Thai food, and then we also had Indian food and some other options. So love it. Okay, um, next question, next to last one. um, Kaylin, what is your favorite month in the Fairbanks area? (laughs) That's an incredibly
1: difficult question. I know it is. It's kind of unfair. Um... Can I say my least favorite month? Sure, is, that'll be fun. Is May? It's May. Okay, because May is the, the worst month <laughs> because of the mud and no, there's no greenery and the you know the snow is revealing all that or the lack of snow is revealing all that was forgotten about over the winter and yes. it's just not yeah. That's probably my least favorite month. I don't think I have a favorite month because there are some really beautiful months in the summer, and then yeah. there's some really beautiful months in the in like the fall as you're starting to get your night sky back, uh, but yes. you still have your sunsets and then there's some really beautiful winter months. so I can't really say that I have a favorite um because it's just so different all year round,
0: yeah. So all the months that
1: are not May, you're here for. All the months that are not May, got <laughs> yeah. it. I'm going to leave for the month of May. <laughs> That's really smart. Love it. I think when I lived
0: there, that was April for me. I was like, what What in the world is going on?
1: April, yeah. at least the beginning of April. So it's like half of April and then the month of May can just go elsewhere. But the beginning yeah. of April can still be, depending on on the year, can still be really nice.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Okay, and there's lots of daylight, but it's still sort of winter. It's kind of strange. Yeah. Um. Okay, Jane. How about you? Favorite month? Hmm. That one is a little challenging too. Um.
2: So I would say that uh, probably March is my most favorite month.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And, um. My birthday is mid-March, so that's always super fun. Mm -hmm. Um, but in mid-March, it is for my birthday. I keep track of this every year. It is just as likely to be 20 above as 20 below. Yes. So you never quite know what you're getting. And then that can kind of pound on you, but it's, um, the light is back and it it just to be out and uh, out in the wilderness in March. I just love it. Yeah. Um and I would I would say middle of April to middle of May are not my favorite times but I really love the last part of May. Mm. And I I am a gardener mm-hmm. and so when I start seeing all my perennials pop back up and see the um, buds on the trees uh, swelling and uh, think about the plants for my garden and my, um, I overwinter a tremendous amount of um, perennials inside my house, uh, geraniums and fuchsias and begonias cool. and all of those sorts of things. So, those all start popping out again and just flowering and they're just waiting to get outside. And um I I do really love the second half of May and um green up is usually you know around May 20th or so. And um you can anticipate that by when the SAP runs in the spring. So there's all this anticipation and everybody. Mm-hmm. You
1: know, is it-
2: I love that kind of rebirth time and uh and then uh calving too is just um really incredible. So That's I love
3: awesome. that. how about you, Ryan? Well I'm really glad that Jane gave May some love because I'm gonna agree with Kaylin, <laughs> and uh <laughs> but there are some there are some nice moments about May, but the nice moments for me don't outweigh the all the other months uh yeah so there any month you can pick something just incredible that's that's the cool thing about Fairbanks is that yeah it does have these huge huge uh transitions
1: and swings and um it's a pretty amazing place and I will take back a little bit and agree with with Jane on that last week just that last like week of May when the (laughs) when the the plants start coming out with the my favorite is the little spotted or the calypso orchids that are um, starting to pop up around that time. And so, okay, Jane, you're right. That last kind of (laughs) few days of May can stay, but mid April (laughs) to the rest of May can just go somewhere else. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Yeah. But that, that green up day, that green up hour, you know, we all get alerts that say, "Oh, it happened. That was it. One hour, and the leaves have popped yeah. out, and over the course of the next few days, and it's just magical.
0: It's so exciting when that really is. yeah, so. okay, last question for everybody, and this is probably the hardest one. um, what is your favorite thing to do? let's say you're not working it's a day off i know it matters if it's winter or summer you can choose whichever one you want what would you choose to be doing ryan you go first i would be trying
3: to uh do some sort of adventure with animals whether it's um you know, going for a a dog sled run somewhere that I don't normally go or uh, loading up the reindeer and taking them on a hike somewhere. Uh, But that's, that's definitely my happy place is spending time with the animals, um, working with them. And yeah, regardless of the time of the year, I'm a, a good day is one that I'm doing something with either
0: Dogs or reindeer. <laughs> Love it. How about you, Jane?
2: Yeah. Um, well, I kind of have to agree. Wilderness and dogs are reindeer. I um, have a dog too. I have a Malamute and we go out and spend a lot of time out in the, out in the woods and in the mountains and stuff. And um, so backpacking and um, wilderness Experiences. Um, I just um, bought a pack raft a couple of years ago, so that's opened up some yeah. new ways to um, experience the wilderness uh, as well. And uh, the Brooks Range is a place that I have just um, have been able to get out more and more in a variety of different ways. Um, I did a dog mushing trip out there a few years ago in uh, April. Um, such a beautiful month and, <laughs> um, and, um, also, um, some river trips, um, on the Alatna and, uh, last year in the Arctic refuge. So yep, being outside and being in the wilderness, um, and either with wildlife or, um, with our domesticated friends are definitely
1: uh, where I want to be. Probably not a shock, but my answer is very similar to both Jane and Ryan's. Um, yeah. Being regardless of time of year, being out and about with either the sled dogs or the reindeer, um, either um, you know, out you know every every spring, early April, uh, Ryan and I and some friends are usually up cruising the Brooks Range uh, with dog teams in search of caribou or yeah going on um overnight camping trips with either the dogs or the or the reindeer on you know canoe trips kayak trips whatnot it's just it's fun to get out there and explore um you know this place we call home
0: love it all of that sounds absolutely amazing so thank you so much for sharing and thanks to all of you um for joining me today it was really fun having you here and talking all about reindeer. And once again, for those of you listening, I'm going to put information about how to get in touch with these folks um, about reindeer experiences in Fairbanks in the show notes. So Kaylin, Ryan, and Jane, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thanks so much for organizing this. Thank you. It was good chatting. Yeah. It was great having all of you. And thanks to all of you listening for joining us for this episode of Alaska Uncovered. Happy holidays to you if you're listening to this in real time. And we'll see you next week. Bye for now.